Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the day with the story, themes, and motifs of a treasured or trash piece of cinema. This one's kind of both. <laughs> yes. It's sometimes. treasured by many, but not a good movie. <laughs> it does what it's supposed to do. It's, it's short. At least there's that. <laughs> um, but we'll get into the movie in, in a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. Uh, you are going to open us up with some pretty exciting news, actually. I think this was a, uh, maybe a bit of a surprise to some people, um, but it was a, a campaign promise made by President Joe Biden when he was on the campaign trail. So, uh, yeah, let's kick it off. All right, let's get into it. This past week, on October 5th, the Biden administration announced the pardoning of approximately 6,500 people with federal cannabis possession convictions via an executive action. The executive order also urged the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Justice to expeditiously reevaluate the current classification of marijuana as a Schedule One drug. Now, was Joe Biden not aware that he's only supposed to use the pardoning power of the presidency to pardon his political allies and sycophants? Well, you know, I don't know how many of those he has. Okay, that's fair. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, he's actually using this pardoning power for good. Amazing. Um, Imagine. And I think it's it. You know, this is it's similar to it's actually very similar to the uh, the student loan forgiveness. Mm -hmm where it's a single action taken by the president. It affects some smaller portion of the people than you would like. Right, we'll get into why. Right, Uh, with measures that don't go quite as far as you would like. Sure. uh, To rectify as much of a longstanding problem in this country as you can as a single person with a broken government. Right, that's fair. Yeah, that's I think that's a good way of phrasing it, which is do the good you can do when you can do it, but it's not going to be everything you want to be able to do. It's not everything. It's not even as much as as necessarily he could do, but it is better than nothing. And more importantly, it is symbolic, I guess, um, of priorities and and the way that that we can shape our culture in America. And a shift in perspective of what the government should be working to to advocate for, right? Right, yeah. right, absolutely. So the executive action only affects people who are convicted at the federal level, mm-hmm. obviously, because he is a, he's he governing. He runs the federal government. He yeah. runs the federal government, right? So he can't convict, or he can't pardon people at that were convicted at the state level. Um, but 98% of cannabis arrests and convictions happen at the state level. Stupid federalism. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, and what's interesting is I actually just saw an article today that was by, uh, it was talking about, uh, how John Fetterman is taking partial credit for the action. Oh, good. I saw a tweet by him. Mm -hmm. I think it was like, it was something like, Joe, we did it. Oh, sure. Or something like that. And I just thought it was like kind of an off the cuff joke. Right, right. But I guess during an hour long roundtable discussion with Penn Live editorial board on, um, Wednesday, the U.S. Senate candidate Fetterman Uh, I guess, pointed out that uh, the president took the action less than two weeks after he discussed a similar uh, action in Pennsylvania at the state level where their pardoning program Mm -hmm. uh, is pardoning more than 3,500 people who apply for relief. 
Yeah, I think we mentioned it before the um, the AG in mm-hmm. in uh, the area, and he's he's basically saying we're not convicting people on drug offenses like this anymore. And I guess as Lieutenant Governor, maybe Fetterman worked to pardon a bunch of people on the state level as right. well. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So a couple of weeks before Biden made the announcement, he actually had a conversation with Fetterman, uh, which uh, Fetterman claims is a quote, great conversation. Sure. Yeah. And I want to say that he, he said something along the lines of like, why can't we do this at the federal level? Huh. Well, there you and go. then he did. And then he did. Just planting little seeds. There you go. Good job. Yeah. Um, no stems. <laughs> seeds. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I had nothing. But uh, yeah, but I mean, that's that's very cool. And, uh, you know, you mentioned 98 percent of the arrests are at the state level. I think I heard them say that Biden was was asking people in the states like governors and such to consider doing the same thing, offering clemency for people who uh, were convicted on the state level. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he absolutely is. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that again is symbolic because there are some States where sure, absolutely. It would be popular or the, it's probably popular in almost every state, um, but where it would be popular as a politician to run on something like that. Um, and then there are other States where it might be less popular and then you're going to run into those arguments that say that you're soft on crime if you want to let out druggies or right, whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I mean, so I, I, I did see that Roy Cooper, uh, governor of North Carolina, uh-huh. says that he is uh, he's looking into the ability to pardon people on the state level for the same possession crimes. And, and maybe you can get into that a little bit. Like, what is the crime for which people are being pardoned? Um, it's not everything regarding marijuana. It's, I think, what, just possession? Is that right? Or? Right. So uh, there are going to be 6,500 people who have been charged with federal pot possession dating back to 1992. And 92, it's just okay. simple possession. Okay. So um, not like possession with the intent to sell or trafficking or any of that kind of stuff. Right. right okay. Or any additional, like if you're just in jail, basically, if you had only had a single uh, you know, item on your record, mm-hmm. which at the federal level, which was you happen to have weed yeah. in your possession, then you are being pardoned. Okay. Um, the, so this will affect 6,500 people. Um, there is also an unknown number of people who are, were convicted as far back as the 1970s when they first implemented, you know, drug laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are thousands more who were convicted of simple pot possession under the Washington, D.C. drug laws that will also have their convictions scrapped. Right. Interesting. Okay. Now, it the other thing that, that the executive order is doing is, or that he's doing within it is, again, asking to reclassify the drug. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, currently, marijuana is a Schedule One drug, um, which means that it is in the same category as drugs like heroin and LSD. Mm-hmm. A Schedule One drug essentially means that it is, um, according to DEA.gov, a substance or chemical that is defined as a drug with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. Okay. So basically they're saying there's no valid use for this particular uh, substance. And so it's not even like to be considered useful. Like cocaine isn't even a Schedule One drug because it's a topical or local anesthetic, right? Right. So it's like, they're saying there's literally no use for this. Right. They're saying if there is a substance that has literally no medical use whatsoever, and also there is a high potential for abuse, Mm -hmm. then it is Schedule One. Yeah. Which 
Again, heroin is on the list. Right. Also LSD. LSD probably also should not be a Schedule One drug. I mean, talk to the CIA about that. They found some uses for it in the 50s. Well, medicinal uses. Therapeutic uses. Um, but I mean, and, and there's, that's an entire other apologies. I know we're going to get like a bunch of MK ultra people like checking out the podcast. I don't know what any of I'm, that is. I'm yeah, oh, Dr. Off, Roseanne Barr about it. I'm She's, better off not knowing. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, LSD is also one of those drugs that we should probably be reevaluating and that's yeah, a whole other sure. podcast and you can go watch the Michael Pollan documentary on that, that there are medicinal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I rolled my eyes at Michael Pollan. Sorry. You can dislike his stances, but the. His stances are fine. His journalism is suspect. <laughs> However, the points that are made, I think, regarding LSD um, and, and marijuana also, like mm-hmm. it's, this is basically, these were, these were laws that were put into place, you know, to hurt specific populations of people. Yeah. Can I, ooh, you may have this. And if you don't, then I would like to do it. Okay. There's a quote uh-huh. that talks about the increased uh, criminalization of marijuana and the purpose behind it. Do you have that or... Yeah, no, I don't have that. I, th- I know what you're talking about. Okay, so it's from John Ehrlichman, who is assistant to the president for domestic affairs under the president, uh, Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Here's his quote. You want to know what this war on drugs was really all about? The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Right. So I'm sorry. Go back to those schedule uh, one drugs again. Marijuana and heroin. Exactly. Well, what he and just LSD. Mentioned. And LSD. But yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, the ones that are associated with hippies and blacks in the, in their mind are the ones that they criminalized. Right, yeah. right. Not just in their mind, but I'm sure statistically. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I actually have information that was that was on the same page of stuff. So, hey, folks, that'll be linked to uh, the Wikipedia <laughs> page in our show notes. There we go. Um, but, yeah, the term war on drugs itself was actually first popularized um, in the 1970s by President Nixon. There it and is. And we'll get into this later on as we get further into the movie, but it is absolutely just disgusting. Yeah. And and it was intended to hurt black people and counterculture people, people and it absolutely did. Yep. And there are no more counterculture people, but there are still black people being it, harmed by this. Right. Uh, and so you mentioned the movie. So let's go ahead and just, we'll, we'll uh, open up the first part of the film. We watched the 1998 Dave Chappelle Jim Brewer, Harlan Williams film, Half-Baked. That's right. This was one of those like cable classics when I was a kid. Also had a very like long run on DVD. A lot of like blockbuster rentals back in the day Mm -hmm. of Half-Baked. It was one of those ones that was very similar to like a lot of Adam Sandler comedies at the time where it's like, you know, a lot of like 13, 14 year old boys walking around. Like, Have you seen this? Oh, it's crazy. It's so funny. Blah, blah, blah. It felt very subversive. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, it came out in 1998, as I mentioned. It was directed by Tamara Davis, who actually did also direct Billy Madison. Oh, okay. Um, so not a not a huge surprise that this is like, it has similar vibes <laughs> to that. Yes. Um, she also uh, hilariously uh, was a, a music video director. And so she directed the Mbop video by Hanson, which is <laughs> just a nice little fun fact there. All right. So we'll dig into the opening of the film, which actually features the main characters of the film. 
as children. Right. So you have Thurgood, along with his friends, uh, Brian and Kenny and uh, Scarface. And they are uh, standing around. They smoke weed for the first time and then go into a convenience store and see like giant Abba Zabba's and they jump into the the giant soda that's on top of the fountain. And it's very funny and they play it up for comedy. And so you see like the exaggerated way that this movie is going to treat things, right? So it's going to make, it's going to be not necessarily a (laughs) strict interpretation of what happens or even something like, like a Pineapple Express or whatever, where it's like, uh, real things are happening crazily. It's like a lot of this is imagination. A lot of this is like seeing things or hallucination or whatever. They're doing their best job to make a person who is currently stone sober. Yeah. Watching the film get a feeling of what it might be like to be very, very high. Right. 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 Um, excellent child casting. Yeah. They did a really good job with the child casting. Uh, a lot of like very good lookalikes. Yeah. Um, the one thing is they almost ended up cutting that scene, like, because the idea of showing children using drugs yeah. uh, in, in like a comedy in, uh, 1998 was not, uh, looked on like well by the studio. Yeah. How old were they? were like about, they were in ninth grade. Yeah. There's like, they were 13, 14. They were supposed like to that. be like heading into 10th grade. I want to say something like that. That's yeah. when kids smoke weed though. Like, sure. Yeah. I mean, not all kids, but. At least in Tallahassee, where I grew up, um, there are like you, you just like those kids looked very young. Sure. So maybe in like the voiceover, they cha- they aged them up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, like high school is when kids start smoking weed, right. whether you whether you like it or not, like it's still a, statistically speaking, it's right. true. Right. So uh, what the director, Tamara Davis, said is uh, here's a quote about the the process she went through to evaluate, like to convince the studio to use that scene. She mm-hmm. says. We were in a movie theater in Pasadena with like 400 teenagers. All of the studio executives are standing in the back and I'm standing back there. It's really hard to be a director at that moment. You're freaking out. The lights go down and that opening scene played and the theater went crazy for that scene. The whole theater just like exploded and the executives looked at me and they said, okay, you can keep your opening. <laughs> so she knew what she was doing. Um, she she uh, made sure to to fight for the things she thought was going to work in the movie. She did. And I think that it makes it more relatable because it's yeah. not anything. It's not euphoria. No, it's just goofy. Also, I'm an old person, so I haven't actually watched euphoria, but I know there's like young kids doing. Oh, I thought you meant they weren't experiencing euphoria. They were. <laughs> no. like, yeah, you mean the, the show. Yeah, I'm sure. Also. Yes, I meant yeah. like the Zendaya led HBO Got it. show yeah. it, where I assume like there are high schoolers who are doing drugs and having sex or yes. whatever. Right. That's, like, that's uh, the whole, I think that's the whole point of the show. It's yeah. the whole thing. Right. And so this predates that obviously by 25 years, but um, it is is not unheard of and it is. It's funny. It's not it's not like salacious. It's kind of innocent almost right. aside from the fact that they're doing, you know, that they're doing a drug. Yep. Like they're just going and eating a bunch of like junk food. Just, yeah, exactly. They're not like doing any crimes. Right. And it echoes what uh, Dave Chappelle's character Thurgood says later on in the movie uh, where he uh, I'm jumping ahead, but he meets a girl whose name is Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. They go on a date and he is trying to hide from her the fact that he uses marijuana and uh <laughs> I think she says that her dad is in prison. Uh, he got four years for selling marijuana. Right. And he says, just marijuana. And she's like, just marijuana. Right. It's a, it's a very dangerous drug. Don't you know? Everyone knows it's a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and he's like, uh, yeah, the gateway to snacks. Right. And so I think that echoes, <laughs> that sort of echoes the opening scene quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that as, you know, as I moved through 
high school, especially, you know, I was always a little bit skeptical of the dare officers and like that entire program where they would come and like show us their little like kit of fake looking drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, just so we would know what to be on the lookout for in case our siblings had any, and we could rat them out to our teachers or something. Um, and I was always a little bit skeptical of that anyways, Mm -hmm. but I think that the, as I got older, the more I started to realize like everybody smokes weed or a lot of people do and not very many of them go on to smoke crack or do heroin or whatever, Mm -hmm, right? Like mm -hmm. we would have a non-functioning society society right. would break down if every person who smoked weed ended up went on to do other drugs doing yeah. harder drugs quote yeah. unquote harder drugs yeah and it's also funny because it's like saying like uh well marijuana is a gateway to other drugs and so you're like well then you're what you're saying the problem is is other drugs right you're not saying marijuana is a problem you're not giving me evidence as to why marijuana should be banned in and of itself you're saying it should be a banned because it leads to the bad things which is like saying you shouldn't be able to drive cars because it leads to car accidents well it's, it's not like, even that's... like saying it leads to right like the the causation is so tenuous in right. a statement like a gateway right. right because it's not saying that it causes this thing necessarily right, right. it's just saying that oh it, you do it, and then this this doorway opens up of a possibility that you could jump through and right. do another thing. Yeah, you may or may not, but right. the doorway has now been opened. The gateway has has now emerged in front of you, yeah. right? And it's it's not obviously at that when you think about it critically, it's not based on any kind of science or fact or logic, right? Because even when you say that a car is a gateway to an accident, right, there is at least some causation. Right. You, you the, have to have a car. To you have to have a car. Right. A car is required for a car accident. Right. Um, but it's not at all required that you smoke weed in order to do heroin. That's true. Right. And in fact, you could say that about literally anything. Right. You could say eating spaghetti is a gateway to doing heroin. <laughs> well, or more specifically, like you could just say like a smoking cigarettes is a gateway to doing heroin. Drinking alcohol is a gateway to doing heroin. Those two things are legal. Being born is a gateway to doing heroin. Right. So don't be a baby. (laughs) I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, um, I just looked it up. There was a cartoon that I watched a ton when I was a kid Mm -hmm. because it was free from the video rental place. Okay. And it was called Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Have you ever heard of this? I feel like if I saw the still, I would... No, I have not. No, okay. I have not. Yeah. So you, what it is, is got, it's got Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and the Smurfs and the Muppet Babies and Alvin and the Chipmunk and the Ghostbusters and Alf wow. and uh, the Looney Tunes and Garfield. And they, they are basic. It's a 30 minute thing um, that is just anti-drug propaganda. It says drugs don't stand a chance against these guys. And it was just, it was, I, I watched it all the time because you can get it for free from Pick a Flick Video <laughs> and it had all my favorite cartoon characters. And it just, it was just like ridiculous because it was, uh, you know, they were fighting this, this bad guy named Smoke, which is like the drug, the, the idea of drugs. Right. <laughs> and right. It, just, it was, it was ludicrous and such propaganda. I think Smoke was played by George C. Scott of all people. Um, from uh, George C. Scott is Patton in the movie Patton. He's no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. yeah. He's also in uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove. 
So anyway, point okay. being, uh, very, very good actor, um, mm-hmm. nominated for two Academy Awards and said, and refused both nominations uh, because he says acting is not a competition. So anyway, that's just a little bit about George C. Scott. Uh, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> the movie. So the kids obviously grow up become uh, Dave Chappelle, Guillermo Diaz, Jim Brewer, Harlan Williams. Um, and they are, they all live in the same apartment. Um, they in are New York. in New York. Uh, although in the opening, it says anywhere USA. They didn't actually say New York. Yeah, but it's, it's New York. I mean, yeah. So most of the film was shot in Toronto, but the, they had, I think one day of shooting external scenes uh, or outdoor scenes in New York. So yeah, they shot at like Christopher street. They had, uh, some shots on like the Brooklyn bridge at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Tracy Morgan at one point <laughs> as a, a VJ on like an MTV style TV show, introducing, uh, Sir Smoke a Lot's video. I think they had somebody standing in front of the Flatiron building at one point. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe it was like uh, Scarface. Um, but it, I mean, it's very clearly New York. And the reason also that you know it's New York is because they introduced the term bodegas. That's right. Yeah. And I don't believe that they call it bodegas other places. And if they did, it's only because of this movie. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at the beginning of the movie, Dave Chappelle's character is talking about where to get weed from. Mm-hmm. Uh, he walks through Washington Square Park uh, where the Rastafarians are. He goes into a bodega um, and, you know, et cetera. And sort of uh, that leads to the main crux, which is the delivery service. Right. Um, which is run by Samson Simpson. <laughs> right uh which uh, great naming um but the the larger point is they are smoking the four friends uh harlan williams it's his turn to go out and get snacks he goes out and gets a ton of snacks from the corner store he has an excellent recall for a stoner sure. they, they rapid fire through a bunch of different kinds of random snacks at him mm-hmm. and it i mean he He seemed like he got them. I mean, well, he got several large bags of food. I assumed that they were the correct items. Oh, see, that's your assumption. (laughs) Well, they also said two large pizzas and like at the bottom of it was two large pizzas. So I guess he at least got the two big things. Yeah. Uh, And then he takes a little break because he sees a horse on the street, feeds the horse some food. Buttercup. Buttercup. Butternuts. (laughs) Buttered stuff. Buttered stuff. Uh, Yeah. So feeds the horse, kills the horse because the horse is diabetic. Uh, happened to be a police horse, and so he goes to jail for being a cop killer. Um, <laughs> right. And that is that is act one of the movie that sets up our entire, like, what's going to happen now? Uh, well, actually, there's one more thing. Uh, they go to see him and try and figure out the bail situation. Mm-hmm. He's uh, It's going to cost a million dollars. For bail. For bail. Right. For a person who was an idiot and committed an accident. <laughs> like, first of all, he wouldn't be tried for murder because it's an animal. Uh, but even if it were a real police officer, it would be like involuntary manslaughter. Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I feel like if you kill a police dog, then you are you have killed a police officer, even though cops routinely shoot dogs in raids without a second thought. OK, uh, so here we go. Uh, earlier this year in March, there was a man who was. Uh, charged in Kentucky uh, for firing at officers and killing a police dog. So he was charged with attempted murder for firing at the officers, but he was um, charged with assault on a service animal. Mm. So it wasn't like murder Mm. (laughs) because it's a dog. Okay. For some reason I was thinking that it like, I don't know, Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, he probably would not be a million dollars, but I'm sure that the 
people writing the script is ni- wanted a nice big round nice number. big number and, and one that seemed unattainable that mm-hmm. motivated them to action and that action was uh well thurgood was a janitor at this science facility <laughs> i don't know exactly what they were doing like a, science a, pharma, on. a pharmacy or yeah. a pharmaceutical company. pharmaceutical company and uh they were researching marijuana yeah which apparently they shouldn't have been doing because it's a schedule one drug <laughs> Well, it, the scientist explained it that the, I guess the FDA had like reached out to them or like some government agency had reached out to them and asked them to perform some experiments Got or whatever, okay. preliminary experiments. Yeah. And so in response uh, to, I, I forget what he did to help out the scientist. I guess he like, oh, uh, had to take the form down to the place to get the he drugs. He was just being a little delivery guy. Yeah. And so uh, a nice foreshadowing, I guess. Mm-hmm. He brings that package up to the scientist. The scientist gives him a little bit of the weed. He smokes it. Uh, it turns out to be quite good. And so now he says, we could sell this, or I guess it was actually um, Scarface's idea. He says, we could sell this, uh, we do our own little delivery service thing, we'll call it Mr. Nice Guy, and uh, we'll make a bunch of money and we'll get Kenny out. So there you go. There's Act One. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, now is probably a good time to talk about the the actual scheduling of of marijuana yeah. and and what it means to be Schedule One. And we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show, but- there are five schedules, okay, basically, which are just five classifications. And they are supposed to take into account three different things. So this is a result of Title II of the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act of 1970, which was signed into law by then President Richard Nixon. Sure. And it is basically it's the it's part of the controlled substances act Mm -hmm. and it places all substances which were in some manner regulated under existing federal law into one of five schedules and it's based upon its potential medical use um its potential for abuse and then also um whatever existing treaties it has to follow oh okay Interesting. Um, with like trade. Right. That's, that's, that's a weird thing. <laughs> right. So that third classification doesn't really come into play, but it's, it's basically just, um, how, how can it be abused? Yeah. And are there medicinal, like redeeming medicinal values? Right. Right. What's interesting though, is that if we're talking about its potential for abuse, like, I don't, you know, there's, it, there's, this is kind of an undefined term by the, the federal government. You can yeah. say like, what do you mean by abuse? Right. I, I would also argue that medicinal use is probably ill-defined by the government because I'm sure they don't consider like mental health as as med- medicinal. I mean, it's or medical use, right? Is is the way that they is the way they say it. So, um, right. it's I, I don't know mm-hmm. how they classify it. It's all incredibly arbitrary. Again, just based off of whether or not you want to punish certain people for one thing and not other people for another. Exactly thing. right. And and so Schedule One is uh, potential for abuse is high. And there are no accepted medical uses. Yeah. But we know that this is not true because it has been legalized in, I think, like 37 states. In a bunch. Yeah. Um, I I looked that up, too. Yeah. It's a huge number. So 27 states have partially or fully decriminalized marijuana uh, possession. 12 states have legalized low THC product use. Uh, 42 states have legalized for medicinal use. 42 states and territories. Okay. So it's like 37 states. And then if you include territory, it's 42. Got it. Have okay. legalized for medicinal use. So, so 37, like the vast majority of states at this point have actually said, you know what? There are medicinal uses mm-hmm. for marijuana. 
And so it, it seems kind of a farce to say that there are absolutely no medical uses. Right, right. And also, like, I mean, even in the 90s, I don't remember when exactly the movie came out, but like there were there was a bunch of like hacky jokes in like rush hour, for instance, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm smoking this for my glaucoma. Right. It's like it was it was actually prescribed concurrent with, you know, when these things were happening. Right. I mean, people, people, I think for a long time have recognized that there is medicinal use and glaucoma was like one of the ones that sort of stuck out for some reason. I don't really know why. Maybe the word is just funny to say. Uh, I mean, do you mean why medically or why that's the one that stuck stuck in the zeitgeist? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. It was just like the one that jokes come back to over and over again in the 90s and the early aughts. Yeah. Um, And so schedule two, also high. Um, in terms of potential for abuse. So those are the two. And then they said that there's some, uh, sometimes they with severe restrictions, there are accepted medical uses. And then schedules three, four, and five um, all have some accepted medical use. And then schedule three is median, schedule four is moderate, and schedule five is the lowest potential for abuse. Which, okay. Which is just like caffeine. Or like- well, you know what is funny is... Um, would you, where would you consider alcohol to be ranked in that? I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's basically high potential for abuse, limited medical usage. Although, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. So I was curious about this because I, I was like, is whatever alcohol should be, weed should at least be that or less. Right. Yeah. Right. Whatever, wherever this falls within this. And the, the answer is it's a trick question. <laughs> alcohol is not on the list, is not on the list yeah, because it's course. not a controlled substance. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. So it's, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't even count on the list of things. And yeah. so, you know, that would basically mean that we would have to deschedule um, marijuana. And okay. that is not something that we could do without an act of Congress. Oh, okay. Well, it's interesting looking at like the political differences, uh, the majority of people, mm-hmm. majority of Democrats and majority of Republicans mm-hmm. both agree that it should be made legal. Now, obviously there's a Delta there, like Democrats are 78% in favor of legalization. Republicans are 55%, but still we're talking about majorities. So it's like, it shouldn't be a thing that's like really an issue. <laughs> right. And so if we're talking about, so are you talking about for pardons or for classification? For uh, legalization. So the question, for legalization. the question was the percent of people who say the use of marijuana should be made legal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because there was um, a morning consult poll that was done with Politico that came out on the 11th. So I want to say three days ago, okay. Tuesday of this week, yep. that was a reaction to the, the Biden executive order. And nearly two thirds of voters in that poll indicated that they supported issuing pardons. Okay. Um, 40% strongly supported and 25% somewhat supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and fewer than one in four said that they opposed uh, the oh. pardons. Interesting. But when it comes to classifications, um, it's even higher, 69%. Nice. There you go. Thank you for the pause. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I'm just waiting for you to get it out of your system. <laughs> um, supported changing the classification under federal laws. And fewer than one in five indicated opposition to reevaluating its status. Huh. Okay. The the one thing that I thought was funny is, so there was a survey taken uh, from uh, sort of a, a health study mm-hmm. that was say asking, like, basically the U.S. population as a whole, and then breaking it down by states where marijuana was legal for recreation, mm-hmm. where it was medically legal, or where it was not legal. Mm-hmm. And so I broke it down by those categories as well. But they asked two questions and got two different answers okay. uh, that were sort of like, it doesn't make any sense. The first question was, 
how does driving under the influence of marijuana compare to driving under the influence of alcohol? Uh, and so the, it was like much less safe, somewhat less safe, as safe, safer, et cetera. And mm-hmm. the plurality of people said as safe as, which is like it's equivalent to alcohol in the terms of okay. how it affects you, right? So we're talking about in that question, people said it's equivalent. Right. Uh, and the second question is, how does smoking marijuana, uh, like one marijuana joint a day, compare with drinking one glass of wine a day? Uh-huh. And there, uh, the plurality of people so said that it was less safe, either much less or somewhat less safe. So okay. you're saying basically like, oh, it impairs you as much as alcohol when you're driving, right. but it's actually much more dangerous for you than drinking wine. And I wonder if they had changed that word wine mm. to like whiskey. Right. If that would have changed, because well, people think wine is safe and it's just alcohol. What <laughs> is, wait, they said, uh, how does it compare one, one joint? How does that compare to what? One glass of wine. One glass of wine. I mean, it is much less safe. Well, not much less safe. I mean, you get a lot more messed up from smoking an entire joint. Sure. Than yeah, from having a glass, glass of, of wine. wine. Right. So they're like actually just being very shrewd. In their <laughs> answers is how I'm interpreting that. I mean, if you think like a glass of wine yeah. is probably equivalent to taking one Inhale, one hit, inhale for anybody who is not a a pot smoker or whatever. (laughs) Neither am I. Sure. As a parent. Yeah, right. (laughs) In a non-legalized state. Um, But the... The, it is it's certainly not equivalent to say that a single glass of wine is the same as an entire joint. Right, right. Um, That is like... I mean, I would say the equivalent of an entire joint would be a A box of wine. (laughs) Like an entire bottle of wine. And nobody should be drinking a bottle of wine a day. Right. Yeah, so. yeah, that's fair. But I guess my my point is right. is that people have misunder like standings about this particular topic sure. in, in ways that don't necessarily logically flow. So when you're asking people survey questions, oftentimes you're getting people's like incorrect opinions about health and safety. Like they've they've come to these uh, they've come to their decisions based mm-hmm. off of thirty to fifty years of propaganda and what's been normalized. And right? What's been normalized exactly? It's yeah. the the like it is very normal in America, at least to drink a ton every yeah, day, yeah. you know? Um, I, I would say that this is also just, again, based purely off of the way that that question, that second question is worded mm-hmm. in terms of like amount. Amounts, that yeah, is yeah. a very flawed question. Sure. Yes. Yep. That's fair. Now, the one final thing about this survey that's interesting is the generational breakdown. So mm-hmm. as you can imagine, 71% of millennials supported the pardons um, and 68% supported reviewing uh the reviewing at the schedulization yep. 61% of gen x supported the pardons and 68% supported reviewing the classifications um and then for baby boomers two thirds indicated support um oh, okay. so this makes sense right it's slowly being like less and less in terms of support as you go but yeah. it's still i mean two thirds of baby boomers yep still support this but then you get to uh gen z and only 55% huh. supported. That's, that's weird. But they said it's probably because most of them hadn't even heard that the pardons had happened. Oh. 26% said that they had just hadn't even really heard about it. And 20% they hadn't heard anything at all about it. Oh, weird. And so like 25% said that they didn't know if they supported the pardons or not. Okay, interesting. That's strange. Mm-hmm. Gotta do better messaging. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's it's also interesting because I would imagine that Gen Z, this is my guess, right? Mm-hmm. That Gen Z might be a little bit more inclined to say, I'm not so sure about Biden because maybe he's not um, as progressive as we would like. Sure, sure. And I've seen several articles who have that have said that this doesn't go far enough. 
Sure, of course. Yeah, it's interesting those numbers actually line up almost exactly with the numbers for legalization generally, right? So the you said about like two-thirds of boomers mm -hmm. are in favor of the pardons. Okay. Well, about 63% of boomers are in favor of legalization. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I think you said 77% of millennials or something like that. Right, yeah. It's 76% of millennials are in favor of, favor of legalization. So there's a very tight correlation between whether you think these pardons are appropriate and whether you think marijuana should just be legal anyway. Yeah, I wonder who the people are that, that don't exactly line up, right? Oh, yeah. I think that it should be legalized, but you know what? What about all the people who didn't get their pardons? That's right. Yeah. The, 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 old, the <laughs> argument about like student loan forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Which is also like an interesting thing, because as I pointed out at the top of the show, there are so many similarities, but you don't have nearly as many people like with upset feelings yeah. that they didn't get theirs. What about the weed I could have smoked and gotten right. pardoned for? Exactly. Like ridiculous. And yeah. it's, it just goes to show that the lack of people, the lack of an uproar about yeah. this from those same people means that they're literally just upset about their own personal situation that's and right. not about the general society or like the idea of what is right or wrong. Yeah, that's right. They just want something for themselves. Right. So one thing that is interesting though, that I, I kind of respect about Gen Z, if, if I'm reading these numbers correctly, is that a lot of them really were just like, Hey, look, I've just never heard about this. I don't know what to think. Mm -hmm. And that's actually kind of refreshing, like to not just make a snap judgment and say sure. like, this is a great thing. And to have a little bit of skepticism to say, I would like to learn more. And, and, you know, it kind of is in line with some of the articles that I read about how this doesn't quite go far enough Yeah. or how, you know, Biden obviously can't affect change on a state level. However, there were things that he could have done that he decided not to do. Right. So, okay. so the parties will re restore things like civil liberties to those 6,500 people, right? So mm, they'll have the right gotcha. to vote, the right to hold office or to sit on a jury, but it's not going to expunge the conviction from their criminal criminal records. Okay. And the Biden 2020 campaign website does campaign on this. However, it says that they would automatically expunge all prior cannabis con cannabis convictions. So it doesn't go quite as far as the original campaign promise. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I don't know what the legal reasoning is behind that, but you know, there are people who say that he could have done that and, and didn't. Um, one of the other things that uh, won't happen is nobody's going to actually be freed from a, a federal prison. There is not currently a single person in federal prison for a simple marijuana possession charge. Right, right, right. Um, 3,000 people, though, do sit behind federal bars for hot possession that is in tandem with other nonviolent offenses. Okay. So things like selling, conspiracy, or trafficking. Sure. And then you also have these other, like, sort of a uh, little bit murky uh, violent offenses, quote unquote, violent offenses that in which no violence actually occurred. <laughs> well, so possession of a firearm oh, is considered okay. a violent offense, even if you never actually fire it. That's ridiculous. It's interesting because I get, I guarantee you that the people who are gun advocates wouldn't tell you that they're merely owning a gun is violence. Vi yeah, that's right. But according to the laws that they support, it is. That's ridiculous. So it's, it's interesting because you have a lot of uh, people who could potentially have also been benefited from this. And, and there's, this is more symbolic or it's yeah. restoring rights, but it's not really doing as much. And then the other, the other communities that this is not going to affect are undocumented folks. Right. Right. And then also members of the military won't be covered by these pardons either. Huh, weird. And so like possession of marijuana, if you're a military officer, could lead to a dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of pay, and a two-year maximum punishment um, oh. in, in prison. So those people 
are, are also not affected. Hmm. So it does, it does a lot. It doesn't do quite as much as it could. Sure. And so I, I get it. If people are like, I would like to know more about this before I get my hopes up too yeah, much. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Getting back to our film. Yeah. The only person who goes to jail is actually not going for marijuana position. So he would not have been helped. Right. But uh, at the end of the movie, the, the other three guys who are selling marijuana to try and get him out of jail do end up running in with the police. Now we'll talk about why in a second, mm-hmm. but uh, basically the middle part of the film is shenanigans. That's what I would describe it as, is they are getting their business together. They're growing their delivery service. Um, they have uh, uh, Sarah Silverman's sister coming to help them, right. who worked with uh, who worked with Brian at the record store. So he comes, uh, they, they come along to help uh, with the, the whole selling and delivery stuff. Um, funnily enough is Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewer actually had a sitcom together or we're going to have a sitcom together in the mid nineties. So this wasn't like their first time working together. Um, it was going to be something called buddies. That was uh, an an ABC, uh, sitcom. So basically what happened was they were, um, on a 1995 episode of home improvement. And so the ABC execs were like, these guys have chemistry. And so they were like, we're going to put them in this. So Brewer eventually got replaced before the show went to the air. And then it got canceled after five episodes. So like nothing actually happened with it, but kind of funny that they had worked together that way before. Why would they said they were like, hey, these guys have chemistry. Let's give them a show. Now let's remove one of the chemistry guys. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's very much a studio thing to do in like a 90s sitcom. And then they say, why didn't this thing take off? Hmm. We thought this would work, but oh well. Uh, But yeah. So also, by the way, like. This movie, the people in this movie uh, don't age especially well. Like Jim Brewer has gone full on like right wing anti cancel culture nonsense, Ugh. and Dave Chappelle's gone like full on anti trans for some reason. Yeah. So this is this you know. <laughs> There's also just something about like male comics, and I think especially like in that especially era, when they get older. Yeah. There's it 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 leads very much to grievance and grievance politics. I think. Yeah, and and with Chappelle specifically, he can still be quite insightful about like the struggle of like black men in America. Right. And he has absolutely no empathy to take those feelings and apply them to other groups that are discriminated against. Right. So it's like he did the the eight forty six or whatever it was his little um discussion about the George Floyd uh, situation mm-hmm. uh, from his, I think he was doing it in his like farm in Ohio or whatever mm-hmm. during COVID. Um, and he, uh, he gave a very impassioned, like, you know, discussion. It was, it wasn't even stand up. It was like a, a monologue. Um, and it was great and, and really insightful. And then you watch his Netflix specials and you're just like, this isn't funny or good or insightful. This is just like mean. Yeah. Um, so it's very weird. But, but you know what, though? I just recently watched the Jon Stewart episode about trans and uh, trans people. And, yeah. and, and uh, he acknowledges and apologizes at the very beginning of the show for his own, like, you know, terrible Nonsense, jokes yeah, yeah. Uh, from a couple decades ago. So there's hope. Yeah. 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 You know. Yep. Uh, so anyway, the. Uh, middle portion of the film is like, like I said, shenanigans that they, uh, what's his name? Scarface gets a dog named killer right? and then the dog gets high and then fly, it floats around the room. Um, but the crux of the film really kicks off when they take one of the clients from Samson Simpson. So Sir smoke a lot <laughs> goes with Mr. Nice guy mm-hmm. and starts, uh, and does a song about Mr. Nice guy. And that is something that Samson sees on TV. He says, who are these, these, this Mr. Nice guy? I want to, I want to bring him in here. And so (laughs) they bring in Scarface 
And he says, look, you make 40 to 50,000 a week. I want half. So now they have to pay Samson. Uh, they also have to get money for, uh, for Kenny to get out. And they're, they're, they're stuck. That's their, that's their big element. And the person who provides them with a solution is the guy who is the guy who sleeps on their couch, who was actually based off of a real person. So Chappelle wrote this movie with Neil Brennan, who was his co-writer, co-creator of Chappelle's show. Okay. Um, and they had a guy who would, uh, a real life friend who would constantly crash on their couch uh, while they were writing the script. So he got thrown in from that, <laughs> that real life experience. And the guy who plays him is a, a famous one-liner comic named Stephen Wright. So yeah, he's, he's very, he's like a deadpan one-liner comic kind of guy. I mean, having a guy that just, that is tangentially related and is always kind of asleep on the couch just from my college days <laughs> sure. in Florida feels very true to life. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. The other thing that's that's funny and worth mentioning is the the place or the the apartment that they're in, mm -hmm. that they all share the design. We we mentioned basically uh, everything that was designed <laughs> by like a production designer in this mm -hmm. movie looks ridiculous. Right. It's like super bright primary colors and like weird patterns it's and stuff. It's psychedelic and pot, man. Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, the apartment was based off the design from the Beastie Boys Grand Royal Recording Studio because uh, Tamara Davis was married to Mike D from the Beastie Boys. Okay. So she's like, oh, this place looks great. I'm just going to copy paste that onto the apartment. Do what you know. Yeah, that's right. So I, I just thought that was funny. Um, there are a ton of cameos in this part of the film. Yeah. You just mentioned Jon Stewart. That's he right. He is the enhancement smoker. Uh, I mentioned Tracy Morgan earlier. There's also Willie Nelson. There's Snoop Dogg. Uh, the only real weed brought to set. They were typically smoking tobacco. <laughs> the only real weed on set was from Snoop Dogg. Um, I mean, he was like, look, I'm a method actor. Yeah. It was funny. So Tamara Davis tells a story where he climbs over, lights up, and they're like, oh my God, that's actually real weed. And they can smell <laughs> it. And she's like, insecurity starts to come over. Like, and so when they cut the scene, she's freaking out, thinking she's gonna get in trouble. And security just wanted Snoop Dogg's autograph. <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah. I mean, security is there to make sure like rando fans don't get onto the lot. I don't yeah. you know. That's not, right. They don't give a damn. They don't yeah. care about if you're like it's Hollywood. Yeah. I, I feel like they are paid to not care about that. That's right. Uh, and then there's Stephen Baldwin, who plays the MacGyver smoker. Right. Uh, there's Tommy Chong, who plays Squirrel Master, who uh -huh. keeps uh, Kenny safe in prison. We're not going to touch a lot of the Kenny in prison stuff because that is the most dated portion of <sighs> this film, which is all like prison rape jokes. So we can skip that. We'll just I, we'll, we'll we won't get into it, but mm. I will say just to your point, yeah. it's. It's probably the part that that just it ages the least well of everything because right. like let's the carceral system in America is is terrible it's and bad. awful and yeah. the treatment of prisoners is disgusting right and um, not really anything to joke about in terms of anybody being raped. That's right. No matter what. It's also why we shouldn't send people to jail for marijuana because the consequences of doing so are dire. Yeah, or we should also just not have jail be a place where the consequences of doing anything are dire. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother it's a episode. Whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. Yeah. Maybe we'll watch Shawshank or something. Yeah, the one thing that I say is uh, prison does not stop people from doing drugs. And so if we want to stop people from doing drugs, we should uh, like address the things that cause them to do the drugs, not put them in jail where they can also just get the drugs. Like there's drugs all over prison. So anyway... That's the point is drugs should be legal and not used. Didn't you know the best way to solve a problem is to lock it away and never think about it again? I mean, we've tried. That's how you solve it. That's what we do with our grief.
Anyway, um, the other people, uh, Janine Garofalo is briefly in the film, as is the late Bob Saget. Oh, yeah. He uh, he was filming a movie called Dirty Work at the same time. And so he just popped over into a little cameo. You know, uh, Dirty Work is a great movie, by the way. It is a uh, 10 out of 10. All I can say about Bob Saget is he seemed from all accounts, he was a genuinely nice person. Yeah. I did not care for his sense of humor. Yeah. But that's fine. Some some people do. He he had multiple senses of humor. He well, had his, he like, had America's, dirty old man sense of humor he had was America's not funniest home videos uh, and Full House uh-huh. sense of humor. But then he also had like I'm the dirty like raunchy old man kind of sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. that just it it never really made me laugh. But that's fine. There's other sure. people who it does, and 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 I get there's an audience for it. And he was everybody said he was a nice guy. So. Yeah. Is it? I have nostalgia from Full House. Yeah, you know, to see yeah. him in that, and it was very shocking. This role, for him to to talk about <laughs> sucking dick for Coke. Yeah, was was very shocking. I think to literally everybody our age because yeah. of Danny Tanner. Right. I will say there are several things from this movie that are just imprinted in my brain. Like I think as we were watching the movie. Uh, there's a part where uh, Chappelle describes the weed that he's smoking and he says, it's the shiznittle bam, snip, snap, snappy. And he's like, that's in my head. It's just like, I will, it's always there. And then the part where after uh, Bob Saget says, you can't be addicted to marijuana. And the other guy goes, boo this man. Yes. Like that's in my head uh, regularly. Yes, that. And then also just the song, um, I want to talk to Samson, yeah. which I'm not going to sing. I talk to Samson. <laughs> you can do it then. Cause... Well, the reason I did it is uh-huh. because when the very first time you heard Kendrick Lamar, you're like, is this the guy from, is this Sir Smoke a lot? <laughs> it just the, the, the tone of it, the, yeah, the, it is ridiculous. Uh, yes, it is ridiculous. No, you are ridiculous. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's right. That's point, right. point being, uh, that, that gets us to the end of our, uh, second act well, where they're now I'm... in conflict with Sim- Samson Simpson. Yeah. That's right. Well, so before we move on from this, or maybe this is a perfect time to talk about the current state of the uh, cannabis industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we don't have to get too much into it, but I think that it's it's interesting that since this movie has come out, you know, it's not it's not just random underground folks, you know, black market people selling marijuana. Like there are actual no, yeah. like financial industries that have come up in places like Colorado sure. and California, where it's a lot more mature and and weed has been legal in those states for, for quite a long time. California was the first state to legalize medicinal marijuana in 1990. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, and then I think Colorado was maybe the first one to have it for recreational purposes, I want to say. Okay. It's interesting because they have much more mature markets. And so they're dealing with problems like cracking down on the black market okay. there. Um, and it's something that, you know, I hear and I'm like, just let people buy weed who cares if budweiser is selling it <laughs> right or or whatever Whomever, right yeah. but we weeds are uh, boo boo <laughs> oh it already has the word bud in it uh, yeah, yeah i was like <laughs> what <laughs> uh but right so who cares if a giant corporation is selling it but it, it turns out that the marijuana or the cannabis black market is actually both really bad for the environment because mm-hmm. they use all the pesticides sure, sure. and they don't care and there's no regulation whatsoever. Yeah. And, and that goes downstream and affects yeah. communities. And then also the laborers that work for them yeah. um, are frequently migrant, victims. Yeah. Well, migrant, but victims of human trafficking oh. or living in just absolute squalor. Huh. Um, and and they're not allowed to like leave, basically. So so it is truly like black market, like yeah. t- 
terrible stuff uh, that they're trying to crack down in California, whereas Michigan um, only legalized in 2018. And so oh. they're less mature. They're still very young and they're sort of settling into things like like pricing wars. Right. I guess right now there is a, a huge downswing in Michigan on the price of, of weed, like an average ounce um, costs just over a hundred dollars. But last year it was like twice as much according to their state regulatory agencies. Okay. Um, and so they are just sort of like yo-yoing in terms of like what pricing is going to look like and how that affects like various weed dispensaries. Interesting. Interesting. The, the, yeah. So Colorado and Washington were at the same time in 2012. Okay. Um, and, and so, yeah, I guess they have more mature, uh, markets just because they've had more practice at it. Have they solved the issue with like cash yet? <laughs> so not really okay. what, I mean, it's starting to, so this is according to an article by Bloomberg where you still don't have large banks like bank of America yeah. or whatever that are willing to touch this. And, and so for anybody who doesn't know, there's, I think there's a vice documentary okay. that's okay. about this, but it, if you are a dispensary, it's very hard to get places like credit card companies. They won't touch it yeah. or banks to accept your money as a business right. because it is still illegal federally. Yeah. And so the banks which operate federally don't want their licenses to be revoked. They don't want to incur any charges. They don't want to invest money and in infrastructure into something that can just yo-yo depending on whatever administration. Yeah. If you're, if you're giving them 30 grand a week or whatever from your sales and then the FBI or the ATF or whomever shows up and says, that's ours now. Thank you. Right. That's bad. <laughs> right. Right. And so what you had in places like Colorado is that this is basically an entirely cash industry, mm -hmm. which is dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous to have that much cash flowing on hand all the time. And then what do you do with right. it? And then it's just rife for laundering at that point, yeah. right? Because how do you prove where anything came from? Right. It reminds it's like uh, in Breaking Bad when that guy Huel just like leans back on that big stack of money that you know, that Walter yeah. White was hiding. Yeah, it's bad. And, <laughs> it's and then bad. you have to have entire infrastructures of just like safeguarding all of this cash, yeah. right? And so what they are finding is um, that small banks, not the larger ones, but small banks are slowly gaining confidence and are um, opening themselves up to working with businesses. So I think okay. there was like one bank that started with like one business, um, at a time. And now they're working with like, you know, dozens because the money to work with these industries, this industry is so good yeah. and it's, it's increasing, you know, every day. Um, and so the, the stigma itself is also starting to, to be fading as well. Interesting. And that was from, I think a Bloomberg article earlier this year, one person who is, um, now, I guess, being very much involved in the cannabis industry and recreational marijuana um, is a former politician by the name of John Boehner. Oh, Lord. Who was responsible for a lot of drug policy. I bet. Yeah. And now he is now just making, making money. Making money off of yep. it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. So anyways, <laughs> getting back to the movie. Yeah. So speaking of uh, bad people, <laughs> uh, Samson Simpson uh, tells the the guys that they have to pay him the money. And so they don't know how they're going to get out of it. The guy on the couch gets up to go to the restroom and tells them that, hey, they should just rob the place that, that he's getting all of the, the weed from. 
So they'll have it all at once. And so they go on this robbery. You called it that Scarface was dressed up like he was in uh, Dead Presidents. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was like, no, he's just like a mime. And he just pretends to do that. You just thought he was just like a mime. I just thought he was a mime. <laughs> the, the joke was he also looked like a mime. Right, right. I was like, there is a movie in the 90s I wasn't allowed to watch. Right, That right. he's dressed up as. Yeah. So they go in, uh, set up the alarms, get arrested by the police, and the police take them downtown. And they ask him about Mr. Nice Guy. And... Uh, and Chappelle's like, look, that's neither here nor there. We're never going to touch him, but we can get you Samson Simpson. <laughs> and so they wear a wire when they go to drop off the money. Um, and then they try to, to get him to uh, confess or at least say that he will sell them cocaine and heroin, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, incriminating himself, they do some very silly uh, abracadabra <laughs> um, no- noises to try and get the police to come in. But the police have been hotboxed in their, in their van. Sure. And then, yeah, the uh, the fighting ensues. Eventually, Jerry Garcia shows up thanks to a necklace that Brian had purchased. Uh, Wax Samson Simpson in the head, uh, and then that's uh, that's game, game set match. That's right. And the the one thing I will say, uh, so Samson Simpson is played by uh, Clarence Williams the third, who is a, a well known actor uh, f- and has done a, a ton of stuff. Um, but he 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 w- got on set and decided like he did not want to do this movie anymore. And so everything they shot with him was shot in a day. In one oh. day, all of his stuff was done in one day because he was like, I'm going to leave the set after this day. I don't want to do this movie anymore. So hurry up. Why? Wait, why didn't he want to do the movie? I don't know. I never never found that out. But it, I guess he was just saying, like, I don't want to do this. It seems amateurish or unprofessional or whatever. So, so there. I mean, it's a movie about weed. Yeah, I don't know exactly. So even Chappelle, he did a um, Inside the Actor Studio yeah. with James Lipton after this uh, in, in the mid-2000s, I think. And he said that he didn't like the way the movie turned out. It, it seemed like it was a pot movie made for kids. Uh-huh. And he said the actual original script that they had worked on was much funnier and yada yada. I don't know how much of that is him blowing smoke up his own butt or like how much of that is like true. Um, but he he didn't seem to like enjoy what came out of it. So, um, anyway, that, that's pretty much how the movie ends. Uh, the one thing I know that we did want to talk about was sort of that the war on drugs side of this thing. Cause that's where the movie really closes. It's like, uh, Chappelle's giving up marijuana or Thurgood is giving up marijuana. Right. Um, and, the, and there's like a sting by, I guess the FBI it's the sting by, yeah, I, I, they don't ever say, I don't think maybe it's the FBI. And then, uh, they are, taking Samson into, into prison. And Who is just him. an entrepreneur. <laughs> he did have a crossbow. So that was, that was dangerous, but. Well, you know, I'm sure that there are plenty of executive billionaires who like to hunt with crossbows. Sure. Hunt human beings with crossbows. That's, Probably uh, that's them a, too. That's a different movie. That's called hard target. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's just, We've we've touched on it some, you know, the 1970s kicked off the war on drugs with Richard Nixon and and them very, very, as we now know, clearly going after black people, black mm-hmm. communities and counterculture communities yep. and, and using the the um, 1970 Drug uh, Controlled Substance Act as a basically just a, a shield, yeah. you know, or just a, a farce basically to to go and, and destroy these communities. Um, but the other part of it is that it was really a one-two punch, right? Because it was the the 1970s where they classified everything as uh, being Schedule One, right? And they laid the groundwork for um, laws in 1986, the Sentencing Reform Act, right? Ronnie Reagan, 
Mm-hmm. So your if, two favorite presidents. Right. If you want to know, well, I'm, I know you're saying that facetiously, right. uh, but I actually don't know where our most recent ex-president fits into that list now. So in terms of worst presidents, we have lots to choose from. So anyway. Yeah. Reagan, yeah. Reagan's the devil, though. He's actually literally Satan. So uh, if you want to know why things are messed up right now, like pick a graph. That you can see a time series of. Oh, Jesse's turning her computer I have around a graph. to show me one. I'll, yeah. I'll, when I tweet about this and I put it on Instagram, I will put this graph up. Yeah. And so when you want to see, oh, a major problem has happened, uh, people's wages have stagnated while costs have gone up. People mm-hmm. have been incarcerated at record numbers. Just pick a graph, look in the night between 1980 and 1988, and it all happened there because of Ronald Wilson Reagan. 666, the fucking mark of the beast. Sorry, I'm done. You know his middle name? Yeah, of course I do. Okay. I don't All right. Anything. Well, anyways, this graph <laughs> is showing the percentage of the U.S. population that is in prison. Yep. And it is pretty much the same until 1970, and then there's a small uptick. And then when you have the Resentencing Act in 1986, there's a huge, huge uptick. Yeah. And that is absolutely a result of Reagan. Yep. And the the sentencing, the resentencing, that was when they decided that that there was a distinction, a, an important distinction between crack and just powdered cocaine, right, right? right? And that it was such a distinction that there was a 100 to 1 sentencing disparity mm-hmm. between the two, right? It's the exact same chemical, except that black communities tend to use crack, whereas cocaine is used predominantly, I guess, by white communities, um, I mean, yeah, rich so white bankers that's and exactly friends right, yeah. of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so... And so what you have then is just this this huge explosion of people who are in jail for drugs that are nonviolent. Yeah. Like I just straight up as far as I'm concerned, and this is where we can start getting into whatever. But I don't think that anybody should be going to jail for drugs. No, I don't think anybody should be going to jail for nonviolent crimes. That's not the way that we solve the drug problem. And you know how I know that that Republicans and white people agree with this is because look at what happened with the opioid epidemic. All of right. a sudden it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. We need treatment. We need, you know, vending machines that give out free. Uh, what's that stuff? Um, not 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 naproxone. Naloxone. No, naloxone. Yeah. Free naloxone to, to resuscitate people who've overdosed on fentanyl. Like, yeah, all of a sudden people in West Virginia care about people who are addicted to drugs because those drugs are opioids. And by the way, like or because I, those people are white and because, yeah. And because those people are white. And, and by the way, that's fine. That's, that's correct. I'm right. not telling them that they made the wrong decision in this regard. I'm saying they made the wrong decision in 1986 when they had no empathy for people because their skin was black. Well, and, and that's the thing is you see, they're able to look at these white people and they probably are related to some of them mm-hmm. and they're able to say, oh, you're a person. Right. Right. You're a person with a family and a life and people who care about you. And just because you got mixed up in some drugs and maybe you have some emotional issues that haven't been dealt with doesn't mean that you deserve to rot in a cell for the rest of your life, potentially being raped or whatever. Right. right? right. And they're somehow not able, right, to look at black or brown communities and say the same thing. Yeah. And and so uh, in 2010, there was the Fair Sentencing Act and this sort of cut the disparity down. It's still 18 to one. It's not 100 to one. but. It's it's terrible. And and again, if you look at literally any other country like that is uh, industrialized or, or yeah. um, that developed that they do not treat drug drug abuse and, and addiction as this thing that is 
that it should be put away forever. It's it's an affliction that that needs right. to be helped, right. not punished. Right. I don't know. It's just it's just sad. It's yeah. a nice way to end a, a <laughs> podcast about a comedy film. We may yeah <laughs> we may have gone slightly off the rails, but since we're talking about money, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the budget for Half Baked okay was eight million dollars. And it grossed 17 and a half on its release. All right. Which I think is fine, right? But what uh, what they said is that it was a flop, right? They said it, it flopped. It made twice th- as much money as it cost. I mean, it, it hit, it, it landed sixth place in on its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. It was behind Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, that Denzel Washington movie Fallen, uh-huh. um, As Good As It Gets, and then a movie called Hard Rain. Which I've never heard of. I've never heard of Hard Rain, but those other ones are, are like big. classic yeah. big movies. It wasn't there. It wasn't the first weekend for those movies, but they had staying. But power. if you're com- if you're competing against Goodwill Hunting, yes. like come on, or Titanic. I mean, how or long, Titanic. How long was that movie number one? Like, no one weeks? expected that to be in box offices in the box office for literally what right. twenty weeks, right. thirty weeks. No, no, it was more than that. It was like it was like two years or something like that. It was wild, like. I think like Titanic was in box offices for 112 weeks or something like that. Yeah, I can look in a second. But uh, so basically uh, (laughs) the quote from uh, Tamara Davis was 20 years ago today, a little movie starring a little known comedian got very little attention by anyone. Half-Baked had come out in January, flopped at the box office, and by April it was out of theaters. So I'm sorry, went into theaters in January and was out by April? You had a four-month run in theaters, and you said it was a flop. We just did The Northman, which came out in VOD three weeks after Mm -hmm. being released in the box office. Yep. Like, wow, what a different world, and what a different thing to consider a flop at the time. That's wild. And it made double its budget. Like, so strange. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of The Northman and Armageddon, neither of those were out on streaming services when we released those episodes. The Northman is now out, I think, on, uh, I want to say Amazon Prime Uh um, for free, and... The and Amazon uh, Armageddon is out on like Hulu or something. They're both streaming. Oh, so on major Northman, Northman's now on Amazon Prime. Northman and and Armageddon are both streaming on major services cool. right now. So cool. if you if you want to go check out those films, they were not streaming when we released it yeah. as a podcast, but now they are. I was I was wrong about Titanic. It was fifty four weeks, but still huge over huge number a year. Of weeks. Yeah, over a year. Yeah, wild. Um, you know, it's interesting that it was only sixth place when it was first released. Um because it is so big in my young adulthood sure, and in the culture of my high school slash college years. Um, And so I guess the next, I'm guessing the next thing you're going to tell me is that even though it quote unquote flopped at the box office, it made up for it. Of course. You know, ancillaries yeah yeah Yeah, so much so like it is uh without a doubt the like one of those movies that hit so hard on dvd hit so Uh hard on cable television and got those licensing rights like it was it it was definitely profitable uh without a doubt i don't remember seeing this in movie theaters no i 100 percent remember seeing this over and over and over again in smoky apartments (laughs) the um the critics reviews for this were pretty bad, obviously like 28% on Rotten Tomatoes from I think 24 reviews, but Mm -hmm. it's an 81% positive from audiences. Right. So you're getting basically a movie that people enjoyed critics thought was tacky or, you know, not up to snuff or whatever. And good Lord, please don't ever read any reviews of this by critics, not because 
you know, they have a bad take on it, but because the puns, oh my God, <laughs> the puns. Hey, hey, the hot box office. Oh God. It's just like, it's all, the whole thing is like, oh, Half-Baked's chances to be a good movie go up in smoke. <laughs> it's like, God, stop it. Stop it. Um, so anyway, that's, that's our, our episode for today. Um, I, I think that this movie, I, like, would you recommend it? Yes. I mean, look. We're not going to sit here and pretend like all of y'all either haven't smoked weed or you want to try it. Go get yourself something. If you're in North Carolina, you can get yourself even just some like CBD, you know, low THC, whatever. Uh, chill out and watch something that's just kind of funny and whatever. Go, I, I, I 100% recommend it and do it when you're a little bit stoned. I... I'm going to go the opposite way on this one. Oh, okay. Because if you're the kind of person who would like this movie, you have already seen this movie. (laughs) It is not, it is, it is very much a place in time. It is not a thing that like carries well. Like you have to have seen it at a time in the late nineties, early two thousands and had to have been a certain age for it to do a thing for you. And if so, if you're that person, you've already seen the movie and you already know all of the lines to the movie. I'm trying so to imagine if, my mom watching this and she 100% would not no, enjoy and, it. No, and, and so, so I, I think like, honestly, if this movie has found you, then you were the intended audience. If you're like, I should watch this movie because I like this podcast, y'all, you're okay. The only people, okay, I actually, you know what, you've convinced me. The only people that I would exclude from that are maybe any Gen Zers. I don't think we have any Gen Z listeners. Mm, couldn't, yeah. couldn't imagine. But if you are in Gen Z, um, and you're just curious about what your elders right. thought before you could have weed door dashed from the dispensary to your apartment, <laughs> then I would say, you know, learn about history. You'll be, yeah, you'll be asking questions like, why is that phone plugged into the wall? <laughs> but yeah, so that's our show. Thank you, everyone. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at The Crosscut or Instagram. We are at The Crosscut Pod. And uh, I'll be sure to post that graph. Yeah, this is going to share some damning indictments of Ronald Reagan. Just I'm, one. But I'm I mean, literally dead. every single chart, as Forrest said. So yeah. this will be he one had example. dementia in office. Like, literally, probably the time that he advocated for that sentencing reform, he was suffering from dementia. He could have benefited from some weed. She just smoked up and gotten out of office and left everybody alone. Anyway, I'm Matt at Ronald Reagan. Hope you enjoyed this show. All right, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Have a good weekend.